In New York, just because an adult is behind bars doesn't mean they've necessarily lost the right to vote. But a survey from the League of Women Voters of New York State found that eligible voters in some county jails can have limited access to exercising their franchise. For more on these findings, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Hazel Weiser, a member of the League's Criminal Justice Committee who conducted the survey. Welcome to the show, Hazel. Thank you, David, for having us. It's my pleasure. And also with us is Erica Smitka, the organization's legislative and deputy director. Welcome, Erica. Thanks for having us, Dave. So, Hazel, for starters, uh, under what circumstances can someone who is incarcerated vote? Because that right can be at least temporarily curtailed for a felony conviction. That's correct, David. Under the current state of New York law, Someone who has been convicted of a misdemeanor and is serving a sentence has not lost his or her right to vote. In addition, someone who's being held pending trial, even being held for a felony charge before they are actually convicted or if they're convicted, they're still eligible to vote, which means that a citizen who's being detained in a county jail, either serving a misdemeanor sentence or awaiting trial because they couldn't come up with bail or were denied bail, they are all eligible to vote. And do you have a sense of the scope of this issue when it comes to eligible voters who are behind bars or being at least temporarily detained? The Criminal Justice Reform Committee of the League of Women Voters works with an incredible array of local grassroots organizations. And we heard anecdotally that some of the counties, especially in the wake of the COVID pandemic, were not allowing anybody in to help do voter registration. So we kept on hearing anecdotal stories. We also knew what was going on in New York City. I live in in Manhattan at Rikers Island. So Vivione Marshall, who's the co-chair of the Criminal Justice Reform Committee and my dear friend, kept on saying to me, Hazel, how can we get this information? How can we get this information? I'm a retired law professor. I spent most of my life in the academic and nonprofit world, so I know how to do things without a budget. So we can we came up with the idea of hiring law school students to actually conduct the survey because they have a level of expertise and sophistication and they know how to use language in a way uh, that's that's more mature than a college student. So we put together a group of a team of four law school students. The Criminal Justice Reform Committee created a very non-legalistic survey. We trained the students and then we set them loose. Uh, They interviewed, they contacted 57 county sheriff's offices. Looking kind of more at demographics and numbers, um, the problem affects over 16,000 individuals who are currently in New York state jails. Um, about two thirds of those folks are unsentenced individuals. And so uh, our report really found that, um, you know, looking at, uh, um, at numbers that are in the thousands, that's thousands of folks who, um, who might not have the opportunity to vote. It's a form of, of voter suppression by, by process really, which, um, 
unfortunately disproportionately affects either low income uh, folks in jail uh, or either um, the 73 percent of of folks in jail that are um, black or Latino Latina. Well, yeah, diving into the survey responses of the 45 counties that did respond, uh, according to your press release, 16 had no voting programs whatsoever, you reported, while 18 took what you described as minimal steps towards encouraging those uh, for who they're responsible for to actually vote. So what did those minimal steps look like, and how does that compare to what you'd like to see counties do? Many of the counties relied on the detainees themselves asking for access to the ballot. That's not right. There's so much confusion about eligibility to vote, both among the detainees as well as among the sheriffs. So the first thing that we need to do is to make sure that everyone knows that they're el- whether or not they're eligible to vote. One of the things we would like to see in is having people screened for eligibility to vote upon entry into a jail. If that happened, then we could offer the opportunity to register to vote and the opportunity to have an absentee ballot, a quiet and private place to fill out those documents, a way to get those documents to the Board of Elections because putting it through the mail because of the security issues in jails, we have to make sure that the the privacy and the secrecy of the ballots is not impacted. So what we found was many of the jails did not have any program. Many relied on the detainees themselves to ask for access to the ballot. Some of them put up signage, but never informed people how to get access to registration and absentee ballot materials. Why should county jails be proactive in terms of people's ability to exercise the franchise? Why shouldn't the onus simply be on that incarcerated individual, if they're eligible to vote, to actually take the steps to vote? I guess what I'm saying is, as long as people are able to vote... Isn't that enough? Well, the issue is, how does that person access voter registration and an application for an absentee ballot and the absentee ballot? They're in a secure situation that is governed by the sheriff. So um, they don't have a lot of access to outside materials. Some of the sheriffs had information about voter registration in the handbooks or on the tablets that they give out to detainees upon arrival or were put on kiosks. That's good. That's a first step. And we understand that sheriffs are not responsible for administering elections. That's the job of the Board of Elections. So we'd like to see relationships develop between the sheriffs and the Board of Elections so that we can facilitate voting for these populations that don't have access to outside information. No, just to tack on to that, Hazel, exactly um, like what you're saying, it's really about about access. And some of what Hazel mentioned earlier is that it really uh, was dependent on the sheriff and the um, 
type of access and how much access they would would offer to either the Board of Elections or outside organizations coming in looking to, to help register voters or, or get people their absentee ballots. Um, and it's that access that shouldn't be um, shouldn't be up to, you know, that that decision shouldn't be made by the sheriff, right? Everybody should have equal um, uh, equal opportunity and access to the ballot as long as they're, they're still an enfranchised voter. What we found was that voting depended on the authority of the sheriff, not on the existing state of the law. And that's not right. Sheriffs should be facilitating the exercise of constitutional rights that is an act of empowerment. What we know from limited research is that when people are engaged in their communities, that they have a stake in what goes on and they're more likely not to engage in criminal acts. So the act of voting is a real act of empowerment. And when we look at the populations who are in our county jails, these are people who are poor, They're, they, they, many of them have substance abuse problems, many have mental illness issues, many of the women come from domestic violence situations. So we need to help empower this group so that we they don't end up back in jail again and can begin to take responsibility and have a stake in their communities and their communities' futures. Uh, just following up on that question, Hazel, why does someone's ability to vote impact whether they're going to end up uh, back in the correction system? The more a person who's incarcerated remains connected in their community and in their family and has a stake in the future there, the more likely it is that they're going to be able to stay out of jail in the future. And for the counties that you found, which were obviously a small percentage that are proactively taking steps to help people vote, did you find that the voter participation rates were dramatically higher than those counties that either did nothing or did less than an admirable amount of work? Unfortunately, David, most of the counties did not keep records as to how many uh, detainees actually registered, how many voted. So we don't have really good statistics on that. Could you potentially utilize the state voter roll information as well as corrections information from the state to tabulate your own numbers? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. We uh, we could. <laughs> it would be quite time consuming. Um, uh, but if uh, if we're able to to fund the resources, it is something uh, we theoretically could dig into. Absolutely. It's a great question. It would be um, I, I know we'd love to know the answer. So, well, Erica, would you like to see the state mandate some sort of process that county jail officials would need to follow? Absolutely. Yeah, we're really looking for that consistency um, in jails all across the state. Uh, the League is a big supporter of a bill introduced last session by Senator Myrie, which would really ensure that uniform voter access policy. Um, it essentially would guarantee folks, detained citizens who um, are in jail, fair and timely access to at least one secure method of voting. Um, it would create an improved absentee balloting program. 
Um, it would expand the current system that we use right now. It's currently it's a bipartisan in-person absentee ballot collection program that we use in places like nursing homes, for example. Um, it would expand that program to include large correctional facilities, really just mirroring the, the work that we're already doing um, in the, um, the jail setting. Uh, and then lastly, it would allow for the option for counties to have poll sites at, um, at really populous facilities. Um, and this is something that, again, would really um, ensure that the law is being applied as it should in uh, counties all across the state and that we aren't seeing disenfranchised voters um, simply because they're detained. Each of our counties has some unique demographic issues. So we also, yes, we want to create a statewide standard for access to the ballot, but we also need to make sure that we have language issues dealt with. Absolutely. And tribal issues dealt with. So uh, some of our upstate facilities have have many members of the of Native American communities. And those folks also need access to the ballot, especially for tribal elections. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. We've been speaking with Hazel Weiser. She's a member of the League of Women Voters of New York State's Criminal Justice Committee. Hazel, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you, David. And we've also been speaking with Erica Smitka, the organization's legislative and deputy director. Thank you, Erica. Thanks so much. Great to be here. For more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.